0: Okay. Well, hey, before we get started, let's say a prayer, okay? The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, thank you for this beautiful day. And uh, those gathered here in this class and in other classes, may you speak to us um, through the books that we'll take a look at today. And we thank you for the authors and the illustrators. And we thank you for your son, Jesus. May we find him in these uh, parables. All these things for the sake of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks all for being here. Um, great crowd. Um, I hope we'll have some fun today. I give you permission to have fun um, and to laugh or whatever. You know, If you want to cry, that's fine too. Um, and just a, a couple thoughts to get started before... Um, before we take a look at things we uh this is the second of a four-part series on children's books for adults so hopefully you're in the right place um um, but uh you know just let me just open it up to you before i start talking what do you think about children's books like um what uh what do you like what do you dislike are there any particular uh, children's books that you can remember that have touched you, that stick with you to these days. Why Why did you come this morning? You know what I mean? You saw the title and for some reason you showed up. Anybody want to volunteer anything before we get started? Let's just open it up. Don't be shy. Yeah, Matt.
1: One thing I've noticed we have got a ton of books that, that we have for our kids, the better books tend to be older books.
0: The better some books mean, tend to be older. Yeah,
1: some of the newer books that, that we pick up, maybe either just check out from the library or keep because we'd be to take it back to the library or <laughs> <laughs> buy right. those can all kind of run together the, the new ones, they tend to be kind of wagging their finger at the kids or really uh, realistic, yeah. not a, and not in a Christian sense either, but just kind of trite after all, there are a handful that have been really good, Right. but the ones that really tend to tend to stick out, and I think the kids tend to like more, are older and that, that doesn't mean they're like Aesop's fables, but 50, 60, 70 right. is, you know, not something that was written in the last 10 or 15 years
0: yeah, and it sort of stood the test of time. Right. Perhaps. So, so did you all hear that over there? Any other thoughts, reactions to that? Um, children's books in general. It,
1: it seems like the older ones, in particular, are more in touch with the darkness yeah. of you know, the human condition, in the way the new ones aren't. necessarily. Like Grimm's fairy tales. Right. Since
2: the old ones are very
0: dark. Yeah, that's they really they in touch updated. with darkness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they get updated
1: to be, you know, nice, feel-good stories. Right. Like They don't don't, sugarcoat as much, and Little Bear's
0: mom
1: calls me Fat Little Bear.
0: So yeah, there's maybe a lot of sugarcoating going on in new books. Um, Yeah, I I agree with you. There's some old ones that have stood the test of time that are gems. I just wrote a cover letter on um, the most recent newsletter about um, The Giving Tree, which is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year, and that book really is uh, in touch with darkness um, in a way that makes people uncomfortable. (laughs) And uh, but kids love it, <laughs> you know. I mean, a lot of the times they love it. We were watching a ghost movie. It was actually Casper, the friendly ghost. But there are scary parts for a four and two-year-old. And I was like, "Are you sure you want to watch this?" And they were like, "Yeah, we want to. We want to watch this." <laughs> um, but that's so. That's a darkness. Any other thoughts about children's books? Yes, sir. Thank you
3: a lot more people writing a lot more books yeah. than today than there was I years ago. And we just have to sift through a lot more stuff to find the, the gems. Yeah. I think it's kind of like music. Everybody thinks, well, Beethoven was you know, he was not the only composer. Right. There's a lot of junk that came out and it's forgotten. And a lot of today's will be forgotten. There will be a few that last.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned a whole another genre of of art with music. You can just say that like the the floodgates have opened in terms of like with the technology there is today, anybody could publish a children's book. So it's almost more difficult sometimes to find those gems, whether it's children's books or uh, literature or um, or music and whatnot. There's a lot of there's unfortunately, as you all brought up, there's a lot of garbage out there. There's old garbage too. I bet you know. I mean, uh, you probably picked those up in the library 40, 50 years ago as well. Um, but there are, um, you're right, and especially you know, I'm ta- I'm looking at primarily these four weeks. Except for the fourth week, I will bring in a Christian um, book that's very explicitly Christian. But the first three books that I'm bringing in are obviously secular. I mean, in that they're not, um, you know, the themes relate to the Christian faith, but I bet the authors weren't going for that, and maybe we can draw the connections. And uh, and if we don't, that's fine. We can let it speak for itself. I'll try to at least bring those connections up myself. Um, but uh, the Christ- what I wanted to say is sometimes some of the Christian new books are moralistic and wagging the finger, too, um, in a way that's problematic or uh the Christian storybook Bibles oftentimes are like painting these pictures that the Old Testament uh, figures are kind of heroes and often they're not you know I mean there are some great things about David but they sort of brush under the rug the whole like you know Bathsheba incident you know what I mean things like that <laughs> um, there are some things that we can learn um, through the the darkness of those characters in the Bible for sure and there are some great uh, children's sources that are doing that Without dwelling on it, though, you know, um, but at least being honest. Well, last time we took a look at Runaway Bunny, if you weren't here. Uh, you missed out, just so you know what we did. You're probably familiar with that story. And really, the, the main connection there with that story is uh, the mother uh, of the bunny who wants to constantly escape and really is like, I don't like you. I want to get away. The connection that we drew is really like God's love. It's a love that will not let us go, um, and the parable that was finally connected that I didn't bring in was you could think of the parable of the lost sheep, um, where he uh, leaves the 99 behind and goes and finds the one lost one. Um, the runaway bunny is a lot like that. You know, Margaret Wise, uh, what is it? Brown um, probably wasn't setting out, but maybe she was to create such an allegory. Nonetheless, um, we can I give you permission to interpret it. As such. So today uh, we have a new book. And um, I'm always excited when I find a new book from the late 20th or, or the 21st century that is just a, a real gem. Um, and this is one of the books that I found in the last four years that I'm most excited about. And my wife Holly's going to read it to us, right? Okay. We're not doing I'm going to do that at the end. It's called The Pout Pout Fish.
4: And I said, I shouldn't do voices, right? And he goes, No, you should. So blame <laughs> me. So I'm to pretend that I'm reading to my kids. And- oh, good, you can show up.
0: Okay. Well, I just put the cover. But- oh,
4: okay. Um, okay, I'm a little embarrassed because I do silly voices. Okay.
0: Just do it. <laughs>
4: Deep in the water, where the fish hang out, lives a glum, gloomy swimmer with an ever present pout.
5: I'm a pout-pout fish with a pout-pout face, and I bring my weary dreams all over the place. Blub, blub, blub.
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's my daughter Zoe's favorite part. She always giggles. <laughs> Along came, comes a clam with a wide, winning grin and a pearl of advice for her pal to take in. Hey, Mr. Fish, with your craft town frown. Don't you think it's time to turn it upside down? Says the
5: fish to his friend. Nice thought, Mrs. Clam. I hear what you're saying, but it's just the way I am. I'm a pout pout fish with a pout pout face and I bring my bre- my weary drearies all over the place. Blub blub
4: blub Along comes a jellyfish. He floats through the ocean, his tentacles all trailing in a gentle locomotion. Hey, Mr. Fish, with your daily daily scowl, I wish you wouldn't greet us with a grimace and a growl. Says the fish to his friend, Mr. Jelly, I agree. I'd like
5: to be more friendly, but it isn't up to me. I'm a pout pout fish with a pout pout face, so I spread the dreary wearies all over the place.
4: Blub, blub, blub. Along comes a squid, quite a slender, squiggly sight. She is squirmy, she is squelchy, she is slightly impolite. Hey, Mr. Fish, you polite-a-scope of mope. How about a <laughs> smile? A little joy? A little hope? Says the fish to the friend, to his friend, Mrs. Squid, I would try, but I haven't any choice. Take a look, and you'll see why.
5: I'm a pout pout fish with a pout pout face, so I spread the dreary wearies all over the place. Blub blub blub.
4: Along comes an octopus with eight great arms. Covered on the underside with tiny sucker charms. Hey, uh, <laughs> what word? <laughs> Whatever comes... Mr. Fish, let me tell it to you straight. Your hulky pokey sulking is an unattractive trait. Says the fish to his friend. Mr.
5: Ape, my chum. With a mouth like mine, I am destined to be glum. I'm a pout-pout fish pout with a pout-pout face. And I bring my weary dreams all over the place. Blub, blub, blub.
4: Now along comes a fish in a silent silver shimmer. The gang has never seen before this bright and brilliant swimmer. She approaches Mr. Fish, but instead of saying hey, she plants a kiss upon his pout, and then she swims away. Mr. Fish is most astounded. Mr. Fish is just aghast. He is stone-faced, like a statue, and he blinks and speaks at last. My friends, said Mr. Fish,
5: I should have known it all along. I thought that I was pouty, but it turns out I was wrong. I'm a kiss fish with a kiss-kiss face. They're <laughs> spreading cheery-cheeries all over the place. Mooch. Mooch.
0: Mooch. Mooch. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ollie. <laughs> so, um, just to review the story, there's a fish <laughs> in the ocean <laughs> <laughs> uh, called the Pat Pat Fish, or Mr. Fish, right? And uh, he has four friends who... Um, are probably a lot like you, a lot like me, and a lot like people you come across. And they're like, dude, why don't you smile, you know? Um, cheer up. Get it together. Um, and he says, I, you know what? I just, I can't help it. That's just the way I am. It's my disposition. Uh, it's the way I was born, and there's nothing I can do about it. And so his mantra is, I'm a pout-pout fish with a pout-pout face. So I spread my dreary-wearies all over the place. And then a fifth fish comes along, the silver shimmer, who against all odds, rather than giving the unsolicited advice, gives him simply a gesture of love with a kiss. And he's already upside down and sad, and he's contemplating it, but you notice this picture when he's right side up, he's still actually upside down, the way they've drawn it. But his world has been literally kind of turned upside down. And rather than and he's smiling for the first time, despite what he thought. And he in turn loves the four do gooders, like the um the guys who come to talk to Job, you know <laughs> and gives them a kiss and reciprocates back to the silver shimmer. So that's the, the just a recap. Any reactions to this book, this story? For better or for worse? Yeah.
1: Uh, as someone who's very to a pal
0: fish... <laughs> <laughs> I can, this is being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I, you do... I mean, people who are... Who are But it reminds me of this, of this video that was around the last two weeks about the woman walking down the street and people were harassing her.
0: I haven't watched it, but I've heard about it, yeah. And they're
1: yelling at her. And part of what they're yelling at her is a lot like this, which is, you know, smile, yeah, and, happy yeah. and all that sort of thing. And it's funny because it, it's, it's, it's not really about the pout-pout fish and them wanting the pout-pout fish to be happy. It's more about them not wanting to feel bad mm-hmm. or reminded that unhappiness exists, or something like that, because they can't, they just can't deal with someone being sad, if Yeah. It's, if it's, mm-hmm. uh, um, but it's, so it's, 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 it's more like they're concerned about their own needs, rather than the needs
5: of the pout-pout.
0: Right. Them to be happy. And, and you know what it's like when you're in that position, like the woman walking on the street, or the pout-pout fish, and someone comes to you. you, have you had this happen before? Someone says smile. What do you want to do? You want to smack to? <laughs> I'm smiling on the inside. you know I mean do I, it would hurt if I was like walking around like this? you know that's what I'm thinking. I'm actually not always in a bad mood, you know I mean? but yeah, you know, but it, so it's like it's unhelpful. And it's often you're right, I think, a, a projection, perhaps, of what um, the other person uh, has going on onto you. Um, thank you for that, Michael. Any other thoughts about this story?
2: I think most of us have worked in places where there's a help person that works there.
0: Yeah. Nothing
2: is ever satisfying to them, you know. And then as a psychiatrist, I see people who are content no matter what is going on. Right. I see people who are depressed for chemical reasons rather than the lack of love. And so it's really difficult with those people to tell them to get up off your butt and work. Right. Because you know, it's, it's, it's more hurtful than helpful.
0: Yeah. What, what in your experience as a psychiatrist, does work or has worked?
2: Well, first is finding out why they're depressed. Because it may be, it may be a reaction to some loss they've had. And, uh, and, and talk them through it, help them work through it.
0: Yeah. It
2: may be because of biological uh kind of inherited problems, such as bipolar and something like that, and in that case they will need medication. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's always an individual thing, and you never ignore the possibility that it's, it's really a lack of uh, spiritual connection.
0: Mm. Yeah, and so um, the uh, the four other fish are kind of like the guys who are like, get off your duff, like get it together. And, and so, what's the silver shimmer like? Well, what happens the there, answer. Mary? The law. Yeah, sure. And Go grace. ahead. Yeah, law and grace. Keep going. Say more about that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I, I loved your analogy of the four friends, Job's four friends. Yeah. What has he done to, to have this wrath of God on him now? And there's blame accusing the accuser. Right. And then um, grace comes in right where the pout-pout fish is and doesn't expect the pout-pout fish to pull, pull himself up by his bootstraps and put a smile on his face. He loves the She loves the pal fish right
0: where she is. Right. She is. Yeah. Kind of goes where he is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He and yeah. And acknowledges, like, that he needs love, yeah. basically, more than anything.
4: And it would have been a very different story if it had been a fish that was well-known. And it was like in response to the pow pow fish smiling or something like that. You know, it's, it's this fish from out of nowhere that doesn't know anybody and it just descends and gives love completely, irregardless of the pow f- pow fish. I mean, it's yeah. not because he, I mean, I, at least I, I I read it as it's not necessarily because of anything he did or didn't do. She just wanted to do that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like Jesus. We did deserve it.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I, w- I would think there's a big distinction between this book for little kids, because if a little kid is, you know, mopey and brownie all the time, I would be very worried, because little kids are kind of naturally very happy, very happy. Mm-hmm. But applying it to adults, um, I'm wondering about the contrast between this, where the idea is people should be bright and happy. This to see C.S. Lewis, who wrote about, you know, characters, like, anybody remember the Marsh Wiggle?
5: Mm-hmm.
3: in one of his books, who was always looking, he actually, deep down, you tell, was very, very, uh, I don't know what the word is, not happy, quote-unquote, quote, but he was very determined, he knew what life was about, mm-hmm. but he always was looking on the bad side. P- pessimistic. I mean. like he seemed to be a pessimist, mm-hmm. but he really wasn't. Mm. And one of the things, you know, it's clearly out there my very own companion, um, Scandinavians are.
0: Right. And <laughs> that,
3: that's true, although I had some relatives who were laughing and uh, <coughs> like. But I mean, there are d- different types of people, and trying to make them all.
0: This? Yeah, and so the, the, um, the, the important thing to recognize there that you could recognize, say for like with the pow-pow fish, is the what you see is not what you get, you know, that's actually not true. Um, what you're seeing in the exterior is not map onto what's going on interiorly. And so what you might interpret as someone who's mopey, they might just have a face that kind of looks like that, right? Um, uh, but they might have. Sorry. Uh,
5: the resting face. Yeah.
0: The, the resting face. Say yeah. more about that. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah.
1: Well, the word I
5: know is bad, I can't say it. But okay. like an unhappy resting face. Like your your face is like going. You're sitting at rest. You naturally have a frown. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you might have
0: joy on the inside. Right. You know. It's yeah. Just Right, yeah, and you get to smile. It's my resting face. Let me alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, any other thoughts about the pout-pout fish? What? Yeah.
6: Telling them what I want them to do is usually pretty ineffective. But just simply demonstrating it or reacting to a situation with the light emotional response, it, I think, is more effective. I May mean, not, I, you know, I never feel more foolish than when i you know, when you raise your voice to tell your kids to quiet down or calm down. <laughs> you
0: know. I do that all the time. It's just, yeah. Yeah.
6: It, it's, it's pointless. Uh, yeah. But react to their anxiety in a calm way, I think they're more apt to draw a lesson from it. So, you know, each of the friends was very ineffective in saying, come on, cheer up, or you need to be happier, but someone that just simply demonstrated the emotion without really giving the reason why, or preaching.
0: Yeah, thank you that for that. Can you can you all think of anything from your life that's like this story? Like something that's happened? That you're willing to tell? Yeah. Let, let
2: me tell you a story about uh, children, infants. Uh, there's an called Marasmus, and that is a child that does not feel loved. Hmm. In the early 19th century, in New York, big the place, they actually had a hospital that took the kids these were babies that came in and they were destined to die. They had already decided there was nothing they could do for them. And they happened to hire a Aid, who was like a nanny from the South. And she didn't buy into that. And she walked around loving all those kids. One on each hip, one on the shoulder and all that kind of thing. And the kids quit dying. Wow. That's exactly what this pop out story is. Yeah. You know.
0: Wow. It was an act of mercy. Yeah. and uh, yeah. healing, life-giving. Yeah.
2: Um, it, it taught the world something, you know? Anaclitic depression.
0: When I was teaching, uh, or learning to teach in graduate school uh, to become an English teacher, I read this um, study about how they had like a, uh, two different classrooms that were students, in terms of performance, were remedial, you know, like underperforming. And they told uh, one set of teachers that they were indeed remedial, and then they didn't tell the other set of teachers anything about them. And what what do you think happened? Any ideas? Yeah. What do you think happened?
2: Well, the one that uh, didn't know they were remedial uh, got better training and did better.
0: Yeah, the teachers didn't teach down to the students, that they didn't. If they didn't know anything about them. They just taught to them as if they were normal, you know, or maybe even advanced. And some of those students actually excelled as a result. Whereas the, the uh, group of teachers that were teaching to the remedial students, the status quo remained, you know. I mean, some of them probably, um, you know, got uh, better in their studies, but uh, not much changed, really. They, they tended to stay on that, that track. Um, and so it's kind of like the woman uh, in this home. Um, where the love that um, they kind of quote-unquote don't deserve, but they actually do, you know, um, is uh, the thing that changed the day for them and brought them to new places and maybe even saved their life. Can you make any connections to this story to the Christian message? Or last time uh, the parable of the the lost sheep came in. Anything come to your mind?
1: Help is entirely from
0: the outside. Help is from the outside.
1: Undeserved and really even unasked for. Yeah,
0: unasked for. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Saul becoming, Paul? Saul becoming Paul. Conversion. Yeah, fill in the blank with a conversion story. Yeah, Paul, you know, say more about that if you can.
4: Just that he was like riding a horse, you know, intending to kill more Christians and persecute Christians and had been on that path you know, was a pal selfish in the Christian sense, and then yeah. was struck down from the forest and sort of against his, his will was brought to no God and changed his way.
0: Yeah. Stephen, would you be willing to say more about the... What was the last thing you said? When we don't want it, even? Unasked for. Unasked for, for, yeah. And
1: <laughs> um, I think, I mean, I wonder if that's the message that children might get from this, is that, is that you know, if they can't make themselves be happy or do something or whatever, that that to be aware that to help help
0: comes help from, the from the outside, outside.
1: And, yeah. and and, and, and the, you know, and then tying to the Christian message that you know we're not in control anyway, right? Uh, help always has to come from the outside.
0: Yeah, help comes from the outside and it's unasked for. It's so countercultural, isn't it? I mean, just think of the kind of like. Um, aphoristic things that people go around saying that completely negate what Stephen just said. Wouldn't you say? I mean, don't you hear things? Uh, uh, God helps those who help themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not in the Bible, actually. That was like Benjamin Franklin, I think, who said that. Um, uh, can you think of something else that's kind of like that Do out there?
5: Dig deep inside of yourself.
0: Dig deep inside of yourself, yeah. The, the wisdom is within, kind of thinking. You know, God's on the inside, sort of. Um, if at first you don't
4: succeed,
0: try to again. Sure. And there's some truth to these I mean, cliches, yeah. right? <laughs> there's some truth, but uh, when it comes to kind of a dire straits, rock bottom, uh, life or death kind of scenario, often the, the help has to um, come from the outside. And, uh, and that's what God did in Jesus Christ, uh, because you know, look at, th- read the Old Testament, you know. <laughs> Israel never got their act together. And so uh, God had to, to send the rescue mission, the Silver Shimmer, um, to um, to go where the pout-pout fishes were. Um, I, uh, I only have uh, 15 copies, which probably isn't enough. So if there are uh, couples among you, maybe just take one. I photocopied an article that I recently wrote that's a list of suggested children's books along these lines and the pout pout fish is on the list there's one other on here that i will talk about next week i won't tell you which one it is but what i say in here doesn't give enough away you've kind of got to come and and hear about it uh, so I'm, I'm okay with handing it out now um and uh and there's just sort of a general introduction and the, the theme here are children's books that show mercy Kind of along the lines of the Pout Pout Fish, but maybe in in other ways. So I'm just going to hand that around, and uh, if you don't want one, don't take it. That's fine. Um, or if there's a if there are couples, just take one. Holly, you don't need to take it because we have it. Um, and uh, I've been uh, what I'm uh, going to do each week is bring in a devotion from this book called thoughts to make your heart sing Um, because when Gil Gil tells us about teaching adult education he says bring in at least a verse or a passage from scripture and I thought what better way to do that in this class than uh, to take a a page out of this devotional that's written for children probably of elementary age 7 to 12 years old but I gotta tell you it's on my desk too in terms of, I read it as a devotional as well. Um, the thoughts in here make my heart sing. Um, they're not just for kids. And uh, the one that I'm bringing in today, I thought related to the story. And uh, if you can get the image up here. Why isn't it opening? Well anyway, I guess my computer's crashing or something um, you could see I wanted you to see the the artwork in here I love um, it, the author is Sally Lloyd Jones and Jago's the illustrator they're the team who created the Jesus storybook Bible and uh, Holly commissioned jago the the illustrator to to draw a sketch for me that's in my office of a a church that's close to our heart, and we're Facebook friends now, so um, <laughs> I just feel really special about that. I'm also Facebook friends with Sally Lloyd-Jones, um, and I've gone to the MoMo with her in New York City, so uh, I just feel really, really special um, <laughs> and, uh, and love them to death, and and they uh, put together two amazing books, and she has some others, and he's illustrated others. This is, devotional is called Poor Quasimodo, And that's the, uh, Quasimodo's up in the church bell tower there. That's the picture I wanted to put up on the screen. That's not coming up. Do you think you're not good enough for Jesus to love you? Victor Hugo wrote a story called The Hunchback of Notre Dame. It's about Quasimodo, who is so ugly he hides up in the bell tower. He's afraid that anyone who sees him will be disgusted. But we don't have to be like poor Quasimodo. Jesus came to bring you out of the shadows. He sees you and he loves you, just as you are, not as you should be. Let him love you, just as you are. And here's a quote from Scripture. You are the God who sees me. Genesis 16, verse 13. Amen. Um, Next time... Could I get a volunteer to read the story for us? I know Holly raised the bar really high. <laughs> um, you can tell when I read children's books, it's not as good, and I'm not ashamed. So, would anybody be willing, if you're unwilling to raise your hand at this point, you can come talk to me. Um, I'd love to have someone else do it, so it's not my voice the whole time. Um, but thank you all so much for coming. I hope you'll come uh, the next two times, and, uh, you know, this class is just in time for uh, gifts for Christmas, and some of the, the, well, all the books that I'll be bringing in are available in the bookstore, including The Pout Pout Fish and Runaway Bunny and Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing, and the two others I'll bring in. Um, But on the list that I've handed out, you might consider those. Those are ones that I think are worth checking out in the library if you find them. Amongst the thousands that are there, those are like the seven or eight gems I've found in the last four years. You know, we're in dire straits. Um, but anyway, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen.